We are Pixie and Ogre. This is an intersectional LGBTQIA plus friendly podcast led by two lesbians living in the sticks of North Carolina. We discuss topics that support our values, including pro-Black Lives Matter, pro-trans and gender non-binary, and pro-sex work, among many other topics. Pixie is me, Mel. I hold a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Ogre is Laura, who has no degrees or licenses, but just likes to hear her sarcastic fat-ass talk. Welcome to our very first episode of Pixie and Ogre. I'm Mel. And I'm Laura. And this is our first episode. So I think we should jump right in. I've got a couple of news articles I'd like to share. Okay. Uh, one of them is uh, dark and the other one is <laughs> dark but funny. Oh, my favorite. Yeah, your favorite. <laughs> so my first one is old news. It came from 2018 and it just resurfaced because um, it the one of the persons responsible is being tried and they're coming up with new charges and all this kind of stuff. Oh so gosh. it popped back up in the news. It happened in July of 2018 okay. in the great state of Alabama. Mm. A gentleman by the name of Joseph Petaway was staying at his mom's house taking care of her. He had a key to the house. He had permission to be there. I don't like it. All of these things. And he was living with her because she was ill and she needed full-time care. I don't like it. A neighbor Mm -mm. saw Petaway coming and going from the house and decided to call the police to report that it was being robbed. She's a crime junkie. So they called 911, mm-hmm. the police show up, Mm-mm. it's one cop, he's a canine officer, and he has his dog with him. No. So no. they go in, the dog attacks Petaway in his mother's house, Okay. attacks Petaway, and for two full minutes, this canine is attacking Petaway. But for what, why? They claim it was attempted robbery, even though he had a key and he kept saying, this is my mom's house. So the dog is attacking him for two full minutes. The cop, the officer never calls the dog off. Well, the the tragic part here is the dog severed an artery in Petaway's groin and Petaway bled to death. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm sorry. If, if I should be. Yes, you should be. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like, uh, you know, we're using, cops are using violence as the primary source. Oh, see, I already had in my head that Petaway was doing something weird. No, Petaway was at oh. his mom's house. <laughs> he didn't, like, kill his mom and, like, collecting no. Social Security. He was oh. literally living there. I was taking... afraid the tragedy was going to be dog-related. No. Okay. No. Then that is sad. Yes. That is sad. So for two minutes, this dog is attacking Petaway, and the officer is just standing there, mm. not calling the dog off. Petaway had no weapons, nothing. He wasn't acting aggressively. So the officer lets this dog just maul Petaway, just maul him. And severed a major artery and he bled out. Yep. That's bad. So why did this resurface? Uh, because the cop was brought up on charges and they're trying to figure out what charges and all of this stuff. So it popped Is back. the dog okay? Yeah, the dog is fine. They didn't like put the dog down or anything? No, the dog was doing what the dog was trained to do. Okay, good. 
I really only care about the dog in this situation. I mean, I care about Petaway. It sounds like he's legit. Well, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating that people are just living their lives and they're getting killed for no reason. Yeah, that's, yeah. Whether it's police shooting them or police dogs attacking them. And I just feel like every situation is met with violence before it can be assessed and... Yeah, that's true. You know, there's a million different ways to handle this situation other than let your let a canine maul this person to death. And why was it in a, considered an attempted robbery if he had a key and everything? Well, that's what I mean. The, the cop showed up and just went into action. You know, the he neighbor didn't knock on the door, the, asked to speak to Petaway. The neighbor reported it as a burglary because she didn't recognize Petaway. And instead of asking questions, just immediately called 911. Mm. Right. Like, as, so, a, as a neighbor, like, if I saw a strange person coming and going from my neighbor's house, I'd go over and ask questions. Ah, uh, what? I would. You know, you don't know at, what's going on over there? If you're at the Babe. Ma- if you're at the mailbox, hey. What? How are you? Why are you staying in Martha's house? Oh, I'm Martha's grandson. Do you know our neighbor's names? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost sure I hallucinated a poodle the other day, so I, I really I, don't know what's going on in this neighborhood. I'm not even sure I know what our neighbors look like, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you would go over there if you saw something suspicious? I would probably say something. You would walk to the house, knock on the door. And say something. What if they're serial killers? Then I'm going to be written up in a serial killer book, I guess. I, I mean, if I saw strange stuff happening and I, I thought something was going on, my first reaction wouldn't be to call the police. Mine would. Yes, yeah, mine wouldn't. I, I just, I don't trust the police to be able either. to assess situations. You know, they show up and they shoot people and then they're yeah. like, oh yeah, whoops, well, he wasn't armed. That is true. It It is interesting how indoctrinated my upbringing of like call the police is still in me and and admittedly it's because i don't want to get involved which is shitty that's i mean it's safe but it's shitty it's shitty but it's safe it's not community based no it's it's individual which is what's wrong with a lot of what's going on in our country right now yes is we're just looking out for ourselves Yep, heads down. So that story made me sad, but I have a funny story. It is sad. Story. Okay, yay. Okay, so this one's t- uh, 2019 from the great state of Arkansas. Oh boy, you just really I'm, I'm you dig- went hard I'm, for the A states. I'm okay. digging at the bottom of the state barrel here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this guy named Crockett. Oh boy. He's 37 years old. He shot a woman and his brother. Um... Just a random woman? Well, it was his brother's girlfriend. Got it. Okay. He shot his brother and his brother's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. He killed the girlfriend. Okay. And wounded his brother. Okay. And the reason was oh, they brought him fast food. I'm sorry. They brought him fast food. The, and the brother and the brother's girlfriend brought the guy who shot them fast food. Yep. They showed up with fast food. Do we know what kind? We do not. The article does not That is important. Well, apparently the order was wrong. So (laughs) (laughs) 
the neighbors reported hearing this phrase. No, stop. The neighbors reported hearing this phrase come from Crockett. We're going to know what it is by the phrase, I think. Right before okay. they heard gunshots. I have chills. Crockett said, Bitch, you know I don't like mayonnaise on my burger. And then gunshots. Okay, so it didn't clarify which fast food. Also, who doesn't like mayonnaise on their burgers? I know I don't, you don't. I don't I know. like mayonnaise on my burgers. It's, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna kill a bitch over this. I might. Crockett flip, felt it was killworthy. I, you know, I might flip a, a few tables, but yeah, I. This is. Was been, he impaired? The article didn't say. Uh, I, I just. I keep picturing this. You know, an officer showing up at the house. Sir, did you shoot this woman and your brother? You damn right, I did. Yeah. And, 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 you know, was there violence? Was there, were you protecting yourself? I felt I was being threatened by the mayo on my burger. Right. And bitch, you know, I don't like mayonnaise on my burger. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be like the new Arkansas state motto. Oh, Jesus. I mean, it, it could be worse. <laughs> it could be worse. So that it, is sad though. It was, it is sad. And it's what tragic. happened to the brother? The brother was just wounded. Um, That's going to be a hard relationship to come back. Right, on. right. So Crockett is facing charges, and okay. uh, you know, he's he's not admitting he. I mean, he's admitting he did it, but he feels justified in the fact that you know he doesn't like mayonnaise. And they knew that. And, and they fucking knew that. See, I thought you were going to say they brought him <clears throat> fast food and he's like, you know, trying to abstain from fast food or they were tempting him or he just went vegan and he was like, I can't take it, you know? No, I don't <clears throat> I don't think the word vegan um, is going to be in their vocabularies. It's probably illegal to be vegan in Arkansas. Probably. It could be. Could be. No disrespect for Arkansas listeners. Arkansasians? I don't know. Arkansians? No. Would it be? I don't know. That's a very, very good question. We're North Carolinians. Right. I don't know what Connecticut is, my home state. Connecticuts. I don't think that's it. No. Nobody wants to talk about it. New Yorkers it. and Alabamans. Alabamans? Alabamians? Alabamans? Oof. This just, took, this just, now, this just took to a, a hard left. Hard left and my head hurts now. <laughs> well, I have two stories as well. Okay. So, my first one is from May of this year, and it's from this website called Decrypt. And I had to Google a lot of stuff because I don't know anything about the dark web or cryptocurrency or anything like that, but I thought this was very interesting. Okay. So, this 23-year-old Parisian man named Alex Mesmesh, I believe I'm saying that correctly. Mesmesh? Mesmesh. Mesmesh. We're just going to keep going. Okay, dokie. He tokenized versions of himself to sell online. Okay. So he, using this cryptocurrency called ICO, initial coin offering, which is cryptocurrency. I don't even know what any of that, I don't know how cryptocurrency, I don't know how any of this works. But he raised $20,000 and he said that he will pay out a share of his income as part of tokenizing himself and selling himself online. However, the contract is not enforceable. So I don't know if this is just like a publicity stunt, but he's he dreams of being a Silicon Valley demigod. And I guess this is what he thought would kind of 
help get him there and and true believers in him can buy fractional shares in him and his success and so far as of may 30 investors had participated 30 investors mm -hmm. invested twenty thousand dollars that's correct in him the interesting thing i think is that you have you have a company you can take it public by offering shares mm -hmm. of the corporation so you you know 100 percent um you know, and you break it down into shares and sell those off. So why not do the same with a human? I think that the return of investment, which yeah. in this case is a portion of his income, it's, it's kind of a difficult investment because what if he doesn't make an income? Well, right, and so then it talks about what can the hodlers, is that what they're called, hodlers? H-O-D-L-E-R-S. I was thinking holders. Maybe it's misspelled. It says hodlers. I'm not sure that's a word. Okay, so we're going to say holders. Okay. So what can they do with dollar sign Alex, which is what it's called, or what can't they do? So holders are promised any share, a share of any money that he makes in the next three years. He'll pay out a total of $100,000 over three years, and the rest is his to keep. Okay. They can also vote on some of his life decisions, which this made me think of Black Mirror. This is very Black Mirror-ish. This is very like next level social media, vote on what I do next, vote on what I can eat, vote on where I can spend my money today. It's very fascinating. It is. It's interesting. So... I don't know. This is kind. Of, this just kind of opens up a whole realm of possibilities. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I guess that he can give them safe, safe options. You know, should I have a hamburger for dinner or should I have a steak? And right, and that's why it says he, they can vote on some, and some is italicized of his life decisions, and they can also request. And I'm, I imagine this depends on how much they invest. That Alex promotes them on his social media channels. So. Of course, word of mouth and tagging people and promoting people, you know, share this, tag me in it. YouTube channels promote other YouTube channels and this word of mouth is how people get followers, which then gets advertising, which then gets income. Right. But it's kind of like, I mean, I'm all for it. As you know, I watch YouTube channels and listen to podcasts like it's my job. We're here making a podcast, so obviously we've bought into it somewhat, but it's like, isn't it kind of like selling a little bit of your soul? Yeah, that's exactly what it reminded me of. Like, this is me, and I believe my worth is this. Like, how do you commodify yourself as a person? Right, and, and it's risky because you, you can't guarantee what kind of income you'll have, so you can't guarantee any kind of return of investment. Right. But also, what are his qualifications as a, as a Silicon Valley? Well, that's his aspiration. I don't know, honestly, I don't really know what he does. And I feel like that's the case for most people who these articles are written about or, you know, obviously, like, Podcasts, YouTube channels, like you can search out a topic that's specific to of interest to you. But most people, and I watch these people, and we're apparently becoming these people who just literally talk about anything or nothing. 
And just because it resonates with a certain group of people and they keep sharing it, that it just happens to get fame. I don't know this guy, and <clears throat> but if he if he had a, like a, a strong tech background or he had a history of working for IBM or Microsoft right. or you know one of the big tech giants, then I think that it would be more relatable and more interesting that the average person would want to invest in him and invest right. in the his knowledge and his. He just kind of seems like somebody who woke up one day and said, why not? But Which, they have no no basis or background in the tech industry. They just decided this was how they were going to make their millions. But would you argue that has become the new tech industry? That's become the new social media. You don't have to have any skill. That's true. Literally at all. Um yeah, it's just very... That is true. And if, you, if you're talking about turning yourself into a commodity, mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting because that's what people are doing. They're just not putting this cryptocurrency into play. You know, it's yep. uh, people with their fans-only pages or their, you know, yeah. their private groups. Cameo. And Cameo and all of these yep. things. And they're, they're, they're average people who are doing strange things to get people to watch them and to like them and to get followers to make money so you we are already turning ourselves into commodities we're right. just not associating it with cryptocurrency yet right and it's like and then if that's what that person wants to do so seeing as we are like pro sex work and pro like do you like if that person doesn't feel like it's soul crushing then why not Right, I agree. I mean, he's technically not, he is selling parts of himself, but he's not selling away enough of a majority that he loses his ability to make decisions and to still be in charge of his own life. Right, and just like for most people who are in, let's be clear, consensual sex work, so I think we can argue that like sex trafficking and human trafficking where sex work might be involved is not what one would consider like sex work right that's rape and sexual assault but for consensual sex work same as Alex they can pull the plug at any time if they're feeling like this isn't you know they can take a break I think self-care and social media now has become a big issue because I see a lot of youtubers that I watch say you know I'm taking a short break I'm not gonna post anything for a month or they used to have um, you know maybe YouTube, a YouTube channel had, um, like, I'm going to post videos every Tuesday and Friday, and that got to be too much. So now they're just saying, I'm going to post good content when I can, and as long as you stay with me, like, that's cool. But not putting that pressure on themselves, because I think that's where, and I hate this word, but I guess we have to embrace it, influencers, like, we're burning out. Because the demand, like... Even though they were setting their own pace, the, the need to be relevant all the time and have new content all the time to keep fresh is hard to keep up with. And it's I, a lot of pressure. I agree. And then if you're turning yourself into a commodity and, and essentially selling your influence and yourself I think there is a lot of pressure all the time because if you 
are not relevant for a brief amount of time, people move on. Absolutely. People find something else to be mm -hmm. interested in. And I think that in this age of social media and Instagram and, and all of these, um, you know, cameo and fan, only fan type things, it's like if you're not relevant for a second, all of your followers are going to find something else to occupy them. Right. You know, quickly. And if you're not putting yep. out new content and if you're not amusing, people are gone. Yeah. Well, and like on Instagram, if you're not in that top three of, of like on the person's homepage of stories, you know, if you're not posting stories so frequently that you're always in that top three, no one, and I shouldn't say no one, but most people, I'm not, scrolling down to find the people I like. They're, they want that right there. Yes. It's, it's almost like we're reverting back to pre-object permanence. Like if it's not right there, we fucking forget about it. Right. But what does it say about attention spans? Exactly. I mean, attention spans, I think, are getting um, smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's not an immediate, if it doesn't catch my eye immediately, then I, I keep scrolling. I just swipe, just keep swiping until yep. something catches my eye. Yep. And I'm, I find it difficult to transition from, like if I'm staring at my phone and I'm doing the whole fast swiping thing, that when I sit down to watch a program, yep. I have a difficult time transitioning from the fast swipe to the, yes. I need to sit here and focus on this. Absolutely. And I, I think that that's going to affect this you know, upcoming generation as far as education and, you know, learning ability and stuff. Well, I'm an elder millennial, right? So I'm about to be 39 and I was not raised with this at all. And yet I have completely succumbed to it because not only is this my downtime with social media, but because of fucking capitalism and because we at, in most of our jobs are expected to do the job of three or four people and multitasking is such a big part of that and having our hands in so many pots at one time like I'm multitasking all day at work and then I come home and I'm multitasking on social media and then you're absolutely right I'll be like oh I can't sit and watch a 90 minute movie right you want me and to focus it, for 90 minutes and if it doesn't capture my attention within the first 10 minutes we're done we're moving on right that is sad. Yep. And I was not raised like that. I mean, I, I was an 80s, 90s kid. Like, I know what it is like to wait. And I waited as a child when I should have been the most impatient. Now I'm a full-grown adult and I have no patience because I don't ever practice it. Right. And this spills over to, I mean, away from technology, it spills over into our lives. You know, I want something, I order it off of Amazon, and I want it here the next day. The next day. The next day. I want it on my doorstep, mm -hmm. and I'm pacing the house and tracking the order because, mm -hmm. God damn it, I want it. That's right. Same thing with <clears throat> food. Yep. Well, you especially know. in this COVID world right. of food, you know, grocery delivery and... Grocery delivery, you know, I can order groceries and have it delivered within an hour. So there's no waiting for anything. I, I never have to wait. Um, and, and I think that that's making us more self-centered. I don't know, egocentric perhaps as a nation. Like we don't want to wait and, and enjoy things. We want them now. 
we feel entitled not to wait. Right. I shouldn't have to wait. Right. Why should I have to wait? We talk about this at work all the time with patients. It, it, there, there's a precedent that we've accidentally set by trying to be so patient-centered and customer service forward that we don't want anyone to wait, that when they are asked to wait for 10 minutes, move my, you know, I'll see my counselor another day, roll it. I, n 10 minutes Yep, is not a lot to ask, even 20 minutes, considering you would wait longer at a doctor's office. Oh, absolutely. You'd wait a lot fucking longer. Absolutely. It's very interesting, the whole human being as a commodity mm -hmm. thing. It seemed very Black Mirror to me. Yes. And my second article is a little bit later. Okay. So, there is a strip club in Portland, Oregon. Of course there is. Called Lucky Devil Lounge. Lucky Devil Lounge. <laughs> and when the pandemic started, they actually qualified for federal relief because they are an adult establishment. But they wanted to find a way to still have everyone that worked there, all their employees, like, earn money. Okay. So they started two programs. And this first one actually started as a joke, but people were actually pretty responsive to it that they actually started doing it. So as a joke, after the pandemic started and everything started to close, um, I don't know who it was, so I'm not going to say it was the owner. <laughs> Um, but someone suggested that the Lucky Devil Lounge develop a food delivery service called Boober Eats. Boober Eats? Yes. Um, and again, it started as a joke where the dancers would deliver the food from the strip club that was cooked there to your house. And it's a real thing now. Now, to clarify, the food delivery, there's no nudity. And the driver acts as security. Um, but these dancers are scantily clad and, you know, giving a full... <laughs> when they deliver the food, are they delivering a show as well? So that's the second part. They have a drive-in strip club experience if you want to pick up your food. So if you don't want your food <laughs> delivered to you, you can drive through this canopy that's set up with lights and little mini stages and from your car as you're picking up your food, you can get a show. And the best part for me is that all the dancers are wearing masks. I love it. I mean, that might be all they're wearing, but they're wearing masks. Well, you know, at least they're not spreading them <laughs> to their mouths. So you can drive through and have a yes. shake and a wink right from your car. Right, there you go. Yeah, that's a perfect business business model right there. I think everybody should go for it. What I love about it, considering it's called Lucky Devil Lounge, they came up with this and decided to start this on St. Patrick's Day of 2020. And the owner, Sean Bolden, um, he said, like, let's keep the kitchen open. Let's keep the cooks working at least. And let's get food deliveries. And it's been extremely successful. Yeah, it's a really smart idea. It, it really is. That's a, it's a very interesting news article. And what I like is um, it says in the article, and this is on NBC News, almost overnight, Lucky Devil put about a dozen of its employees back to work. They wear masks and gloves and get their temperatures taken each day that they're at work. So they're safe. Yes. 
Which I love. Yes. Yes. That's really good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of the dancers have spoken out and uh, spoken about how grateful they are that they didn't lose their jobs. And some folks are caring for elderly parents or have kids or both. And so when this all started, even though the club itself would have gotten federal relief, the employees probably wouldn't have. Right. Um, and in Portland fashion, of course, there's a lot of rock and roll, rockabilly elements to it. There's humor with it. You know, it's, right. it's kind of kind of neat. It's very neat. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it's a very good business <laughs> idea. <laughs> I would, I would, you know, I'm not much for strip clubs, just personal preference, but I, I think I would do a drive-in strip club just to say that I've done it. Just to say like a bucket done. list item. What uh, what is your aversion to strip clubs? No aversion. I've I've been to them. I just the one that I went to was in New Haven, Connecticut, and I don't even think it exists anymore. It was just kind of like it was a little bit rough. It wasn't fun. So it was kind of seedy. Yeah. Backroom drug deals. Probably the dancers didn't look happy. You know, they looked a little sad. And I don't think that's the case everywhere, but that was just my experience. And it just made me feel like a little, what's the word? Like, uh, exploitive. Exploitive. Like I was being exploitive. Yeah, like I was being exploitive. Yeah. But it sounds like this, this club would be a place I could have fun. Like, it feels like everyone wants to be there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... They're obviously well taken care of, considering the owner could have been like, peace, I'm going to get this federal relief and F all of you, and decided to take care of his employees. Right. Which, my God, most people aren't doing that right now. Exactly. In the pandemic. So exactly. No aversion, just my own very specific personal experience. God, and I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, the whole point of a strip club is to have fun. Yes. And if the dancers aren't having fun, then I think that attitude spreads out into the crowd as well. And just like at any job, I, you know, may have interacted with a dancer who was having a bad day. Right. You know what I mean? And I think part of it was the people that I went with kind of thought it was, again, this is a little like exploitive. Um, they thought it was funny because I'm a lesbian that they would buy me a lap dance. Right. So they didn't ask if it's something I wanted and then right. I kind of felt pressured and the dancer had already been paid. But our interaction was very like, this is my job. Right. This is a job. And it just, it was unusual. It was an unusual experience for sure. I think as a lesbian going to a strip club, I, I personally don't see the appeal. I yeah. mean, the women that typically dance in clubs like that are not my uh, type of woman. Right. I think that they're they're beautiful and fantastic as women, but right. they're just not. They're not something that I uh, would personally, you know, yeah. find attractive or that I would have anything in common. So it's. And, and to me, it's getting to know people or enjoying the company of people is more about um, an intellectual yes. level versus, uh, 
I'm trying not to say the wrong things. I like like I want to be friends with people and I want to be close to people right. regardless of what they look like. Right. Um, like I want to be able to talk to them and have a conversation with them. Yes. And their looks are completely immaterial. Yes, and I can relate to that because the dancer that I experienced with the lap dance and this was probably like 2003, 2005, something around there. Um, she was trying to engage and talk to me. And for me, it was so awkward that she was naked while it was happening. But I wonder if like cis male, you know, straight males, like that talking while someone is nude and dancing on them kind of combines the best of both worlds for them. Mm. But for me, it was too much conflict. It was like this person is naked and being paid to dance on me. Right. But also asking me like what I do for a living and if I'm in school. And it was just hard for me to balance the two things that for me seem like they don't go together. Right. But maybe that's what straight men like. I don't know. Straight men are a mystery to me. <laughs> mystery to me too. <laughs> um, awesome. So those are our articles. That's kind of our thing this episode. We hope that you liked it. Thank you for listening and we hope you'll listen to next week's. Bye. If you are interested in sending us listener letters, asking for advice, sharing something unusual or topics that you want us to discuss, send an email to pixieandogrepod at gmail.com. That's P-I-X-I-E-A-N-D-O-G-R-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. Thanks.